What's up, podcast? Thanks so much for tuning in. This is a conversation I had with the Bondex team building an incredible Web3 platform. This was from our LinkedIn audio event. Uh, you'll notice that I forgot to start the recording sooner, so it's going to pick up in the middle of it, but uh, no worries. Hope that you enjoy, and I hope you have an incredible rest of your day. For design, uh, they wouldn't really trust complex projects unless it was a managed services company, and we're talking about Infosys, Wipro in India, those large kind of dev shops that, you know, you have a contract with someone that is kind of doing quality assurance and they wouldn't trust individuals working uh, around the world on complex projects. Uh, Upwork and those freelancer marketplaces have had massive growth, but there's very few of them that really do quality assurance in terms of the people that they let in. You have TopTal as a model or Brain Trust, which have good models for that, but it's still not there when it comes to Web3 because on Web3, you still have a lot of fragmented talent pools that are not easily visible because people are getting their jobs on Discord or, or uh, on, on DAOs, on a project and kind of mercenary model, but there's no way of really getting reputation uh, on a profile. And that's what we're trying to fix at Bondex, allowing anyone with an internet connection around the world, learn the skills that they need to, and then get jobs for fantastic companies, no matter where they are in the world. And therefore, making the labor market more efficient. It makes no sense that you have people in the US, we can't find enough developers, enough knowledge workers, widening skills gap, labor shortage. And there's very smart people around the world in emerging economies that could do this work, but there's not enough trust between those two parties to exchange the labor and the money yet. And that's something that we're trying to fix. And that's our long-term vision is enabling those trusted transactions via reputation mechanisms. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think that's a, a future we can all look forward to. Um, I want to turn it a bit from the the labor side, and then I think we'll get into to that more in depth. But you know, you mentioned something earlier about how on LinkedIn, like you are the product, and you know, I made a po post about this the other day about the take rate. You know, the App Store, they're they're going to charge developers th a thirty percent fee off the top, no matter what. Uh, most payment processors, they're charging a minimum of one percent up to three percent on credit card transactions. YouTube and TikTok roughly take about. 50% of all the ad dollars on platform, I, I would say those two do a good job of paying creators, but it's nowhere near the far majority. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, you know, despite uh, me driving a lot of people to LinkedIn, uh, and I'm incredibly thankful for, for the LinkedIn team and, and the incredible community here, but I haven't directly gotten a check from LinkedIn yet. Uh, and same goes for <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, I have not been paid for, you know, the content I create that keeps people on the platform, which then the more time they spend on the platform, they are exposed to ads, um, which generates revenue for the big holding company. Um, so, you know, all of that said, then we look at the Web3 world, which I think has the most clear disruption in terms of the creator economy. You know, OpenSea, they charge about 2.5%. Um, I think there's cheaper options available. Cryptocurrencies, you know, outside of, uh, you know, your, your gas, your gas fees and such, um, relatively low cost there. Um, and now there's platforms and processors being built that uh, are simply going to get rid of that middleman that's just charging a transaction fee for a platform. So, you know, talk to me, Ignacio, a little bit about uh, your vision for how you can actually reward creators inside the platform. So, yeah. They actually, you know, own in that as opposed to just being, uh, being the product essentially. So, so you you brought a good point. YouTube does do a good 
uh, job of sharing the ad dollars, but it doesn't share any ownership with the users, right? Yeah. And what Web3 can do is in the, can democratize ownership with its users. And in, in, in the case of Bondex, it's just not the individual talent and users we want to give you know, reward to. We want to create a token economy that enables a meritocracy via token earning mechanisms and staking mechanisms, but for a three-sided marketplace and users. So it's the employers, the recruiters, at the, the internal recruiters and the employers, people that act as introducers who bring more companies to hire or that bring more uh, users and, and refer them to opportunities, as well as individual users. So there's many roles, and they can all earn a piece of Bondex ownership as well as revenue sharing. So that's where it's superior, uh, way superior to the Web2 kind of value flow. And uh, as you said, YouTube does a good job of sharing with the creators, but they're not sharing stock in Google, are they? And we don't think that's fair because the creators in YouTube are the ones bringing the value to that network. In the case of LinkedIn, it's the users and the professionals that bring the value to the network. In exchange, they get a free product, but they're really being kind of cut out of the economic equation of those ad dollars, right? And that traffic flow. So we want to spin that, uh, and that's what Web3 can enable. So we want to... We want, we want to share through a meritocracy. It's not just you come to the network and you and you ha- and you get Bondex tokens. You have to add value to the network uh, through your different roles, and that gives your reputation and a rating, and that determines how much you own, and that determines the upside that you have in the growth and success on the network. And not just that, it also aligns the incentives between all the participants in a in a talent market, because you know. All the companies you've mentioned do a bad job, but when it comes to the talent market, it's even more inefficient and there's more middlemen. And you have them in the form of LinkedIn, but uh, you know that would be one of the better actors. You know, Recruiters and headhunters charge 30% of someone's yearly salary uh, for when they hire someone for a company. And I think that's an outrageous amount of money that they're charging as a fee. And it's definitely that not... It's not in line with the value they're providing. They're extracting way too much rent there as a middleman. And they're actually making the talent cycle more inefficient. Yep. And like any market, whenever there's middlemen charging transaction fees, what it does is slow down the overall movement and you're not able to see like what full productivity and capacity should look like. Um, you know, I want to add, you know, an additional layer to everything here. You mentioned about aligning incentives. So obviously there's the first layer. Uh, where you know there, there's ownership on platform and everyone's kind of aligned in terms of their incentives. I think what it also does, and I've talked to, to Eddie about this extensively, but it also creates a new level of time, energy, and effort that goes to be invested in whatever content in this instance is being produced or whatever's happening on the platform. And I'll share an example. You know, uh, take like the the indie or independent like film space, like. Right now, the way it works is you raise money from a lot of investors in that space. You produce your film, then you go try to get it sold to a Netflix or a Disney or a Universal or a Paramount. Um, and you know, never along that way are your early stage fans that love the concept, they love the script, they love the storyline. They're not incentivized at all for the long term. They're just kind of in this fandom world, but in no way brought into it. What this, this actually creates long term is you know there's the potential where if i'm going to make an indie film i could find twenty five thousand people that want to invest in that early stage in almost a crowdfunding way uh at that point we can go film a pilot but now those twenty five thousand people interested in it we can incentivize them with actual ownership via nfts or or similar models uh where now 
they are legitimately incentivized to now when the movie gets released, who's going to be our biggest promoters? It's the people that are incentivized to promote it, not just at a surface level because they're interested in it. So I think it almost creates a, a, a wider, I want to call it like a renaissance era uh, where everyone is involved in the creator economy and incentivized accordingly. Um, all of that said, Onkit, uh, I want to turn it to you real quick in terms of the agenda, because uh, I know I already got off script. What's the next question on our list? Or, you know, there might not be one right away. Uh, that, yep. But yeah, what, what's, uh, what's top of mind for you? Okay, so um, since Bondex is a Web3 company, um, what does the company culture look like? So and that could be in terms of organizational structure or something like that. Martin, do you want to take this one? I'll, I'll be brief on mine. Is, is, I mean, we want to foster this new type of company that is you know, globally distributed, flat hierarchy, and a true meritocracy where people can move up uh, depending on performance. Uh, we're turning a year old now. So in terms of culture, you know, we're we're very early stage, and that means that everyone wears a lot of hats, and we're all working extremely hard. So culture is an area in which we're going to be working on from here on out. We're at a stage we're now doing a large uh, seed VC round, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to work on those aspects of the company more. But uh, I think, uh, and that would that my employees would, and you know the team, my teammates would have to talk more about that in terms of how they feel about the company culture. But I think I think we have a pretty good. Uh, vibe going on right now. Martin, what, what would you have to say about what we're trying to do there? Yeah, I think I, I would agree with, with everything uh, you said. I think uh, what we're trying to kind of, the culture that we're trying to create is of ownership. Um, everyone has space to, uh, to kind of create or pursue their mini project or task. Um, we're building something from scratch in, a, in an industry that is uh, ever-changing, everyday changes. Um, so there's always room for, hey, let's do this this way. Why don't we incentivize users this way? How do we give back uh, ownership and how we, do we create the, the, the right gamification and incentives? Um, and we like to get that from everyone that works at Bondex. Um, so I, I feel like that's a representation of, of what we will have in the platform uh, in the very near future. That's awesome. Incredible. And as we continue through these questions, uh, we'll soon open this up to more of a true AMA style. So if you have any questions for the team here or myself and Ankit, uh, feel free to just ask to speak and we can invite you up as a speaker. Um, additionally, if you want, you can just DM me and I'll check it on my phone and, and read the question out loud. Um, I see Lucas, Penelope, Jonathan, thank you all for joining. Awesome conversation thus far. Um, Ankit, what do we got next in terms of a question? And I know that was company culture, remote work pros and cons, potentially uh, definition of work changing a bit, the, how the job, oh, let's talk about that one. So uh, the job application process, uh, I fortunately have not had to, had to go through this too extensively. Um, I know it's an incredibly flawed model. We talked about just the economic side of things, like how recruiters are incentivized. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about uh, a, a potential fix or better solution for the current job application process, which is clearly outdated. So maybe maybe I'll give you uh, a brief overview of some of the ideas that we're looking to implement and how we're trying to use the blockchain technology uh, to help us do so. First of all, we want to solve kind of the lack of validation that you have in, in, in the current platforms. So you said or you can claim that you know 
how to code in X language or Y language, or that you know uh, this actual language or that you've been here or there, but there's no actual way for you to prove it. Um, and there's a stat going out there, I think it says 80% of the resumes uh, are, are flawed. Um, so we want to have all of this on chain and we want it to be verified. Um, because the way we see a resume is not um, a static view of the past, so like this person has done A and B, but more something that is dynamic and shows your interest and in what you're doing every day. And that comes with validation. Um, so that will escape a lot of the kind of screening and background checks that you have in every single interview process. And it will save not only time, but also money because you don't need to engage uh, all of these third parties that will do this for you. Um, so that's one thing. The next thing that we want to do uh, is we want to remove gender bias. Uh, and and by doing that, uh, in Bondex, we will have something that that I think is not, it's not new, but it's, it's something that we believe should be done in a lot of uh, uh, different um, social networks and, and professional networks. And is that if you decide to do so, and especially when you apply for jobs, there's, they won't be mentioned to to job or, or I mean to to kind of your gender or your geography. Again, we believe in distributed workforces and that you can be hired uh, wherever you are in the world. And for that, NFTs um, will be very important. Um, not only to kind of get all of that resume information that, that I told you about, but also in the way you present yourself. Uh, you no longer need a picture uh, if, you, if you wish not to use it. And especially, but most importantly, when you apply, that would be part of your, of your application. Um, so um, again, using everything that the blockchain technology has to offer to kind of make it more, uh, a, a more streamlined process. And, I, and I'll let Ignacio jump on top of this. Yeah, I think we, we, you know, if you think about a resume uh, and the way that applications are done now, uh, you know, you get flooded by a bunch of resumes. So people who are recruiting end up basically f spending most of the time filtering through candidates, which is a very high volume, low value task. And usually they end up going, the people that get priority are those who are referred from someone within their team. So referrals are actually the way to go. And that's where we're working with on more of a referral model. But beyond that, as Martin was saying, a PDF of a resume or a LinkedIn profile that just says everything you've done, it's a pretty static picture of, of who you are. It doesn't really give me who your, who your passions, your soft signals, what communities are you a part of, what do you do uh, from your nine to five. And when it comes to Web3, you can insert all these additional things like the DAOs that you're a part of, your gaming guilds, uh, your NFT communities, put project-based work samples there and then eventually proof of knowledge NFT, validated interest from courses you complete. And then you start having a more dynamic view. Uh, you know, it's a resume that's a dynamic, it's a life. It's a 360 view of someone and it gives you it gives you much better view of someone's passion, commitment, and where their interests lie. And that in turn will help companies find uh, a better fit candidate for their company. And that that's some of the things that we're working on here about next. Yeah, and perhaps I can shore up a lot of the issues in the resume world right now that exist. Uh, to your point, it's uh, the people who put in their bio, oh, managed, you know, a $200 million P&L, or I did this, this, and this. And how much of that is legit, um, you know, and it's not like, uh, you know, employers have the time to really do extreme due diligence at that level. Um, I think additionally, there needs to be more solutions in the world of 1099. So, uh, you know, what is the structure of 1099 contracts? How do we make sure that both parties are aligned in terms of the roles and responsibilities? Is there a better way to set up that contract? Um, I'm going a little bit off script here, 
Um, but I think you alluded to it to it earlier a bit. But the whole world of freelance and 1099s, is there a better way to set that up? Is there a better way for maybe mutual assurance on both ends or you know, the, the financial transaction between the two? Um, I know we work a lot in this world of 1099s, you know, on the marketing side, but um, yeah, talk to me about that. Is there a better way to set up the infrastructure for how freelance and gig yeah. economy operates today? Absolutely. And I think it's a combination of a few mechanisms uh, that exist today and they're probably used in a few platforms. So Web3 is the perfect kind of beachhead market to experiment with these things. And it's a combination of escrow services, milestone-based uh, uh, release uh, through smart contract mechanisms. That's how I would fix that. And then if you have any sort of issues between the parties, some sort of third-party arbitrage that maybe comes at a little extra cost, it comes from the platform hosting those transactions. That's how I would handle all of that. In terms of legal agreements um, that you can put, you can put them on smart contracts, but I think it's about when you have, for example, for us in our talent exchange and our talent marketplace, we'd like to bring additional third-party providers that then uh, the freelancers can access to. And it's not just from the contract basis, hey, but maybe 401ks, pension plans. So now these gig worker economies, which are using platforms that no, no, essentially no, no, no. use I'm them as commodities and sort of exploit them and get them high fees, working. like the upwards of the world. And right. instead they get access to you know pension plans at scale uh, so they're getting the perks and benefits of being a full-time employee, but really they're just a Bondex member who has Bondex tokens. And because there's so many users, they get those type of benefits that permanent employees get at large organizations at scale. That's how I'm thinking about thinking, fixing those tissues. It will take time, but you know we're almost in a million users now. Um, I don't think it's uh, our goal. Our target is to get a multi-million user base uh, before the end of the year. And once we get there, I think a lot of providers are going to be very interested in being part of our platform and uh, giving access to to our users, and they'll be able to get them at a better price than they would individually. And that's from lawyers helping them with their contracts and 1099s to pension plans, 401ks, and maybe investing their money. That's incredible, and it should shore up a lot of the issues in that that space today. Um, real quick, I see a couple that have uh, um, asked to speak. Um, I want to turn this more into AMA format. I'll riff with a few questions, but if you have any questions, uh, now's the time. We're going to dive into more AMA mode, allowing anyone to ask any question. Come join the stage here. Um, so just click the request to speak. I don't know what it looks like on the, the other end. I see James just joined. James has mad insights into this space. Um, Seth, Caroline, Amul, Penelope, Rebecca, thank you all for joining. Um, happy to dive into any and all uh, discussions. Ankit, I want to turn it over to you. Are there any questions top of mind for your end, maybe off the uh, off the list, or we can stick to the list? Um, well, I'm not sure about off the list, but on the list, um, I do want to talk about like what are the pros and cons of remote work? Because obviously, remote work we have all heard the pros of remote work, but like. What are some disadvantages that come along with it? Like, pretty sure there might be something. Oh, so Martina and I both come from a traditional finance background, and I don't think I would have been able to get the amount of training and knowledge and an intellectual challenge uh, and really sharpened skill sets when it comes to financial analysis, Excel, PowerPoint, all that stuff, without being on site with my team, gathering around the water cooler and like extracting the knowledge from more senior people in real time next to me. Uh, 
So the, the human touch doesn't completely get replaced. That's why I don't believe in a fully distributed model. I believe in the hybrid model and meeting in person between now and then and having some days at the office where you get those interactions with more senior people that can train you, especially for the junior people, right? Um, and then something else is when it comes to negotiations and meeting, uh, you know, I just went to permissionless as a conference for business development, nothing beats the personal touch to today. I mean, you know, Zoom calls are great. And I'm glad we're not wasting as many resources flying around for many useless meetings. So we're being much more, much more conscious of what can be done online or offline. But I think the complete remote work model is too extreme. And I think a hybrid model between what we had pre-COVID and what we've had post-COVID is probably a healthy balance. Yep. And funny enough, I just added in here, uh, Alex, who Alexei, who is our head of social media, works out of San Diego, sometimes works with our team in LA when we're out there. Uh, right now, he is somewhere in Central America, I believe. Uh, no idea, but he's still getting his job done. So Alex, you might be able to speak to, I know you have a question, but you might be able to speak to the remote work side a bit, and then I'll let you get into your question. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the remote work side, I mean, I would say the kind of switch off between when I'm in person with our team in LA and sometimes in KC is I'm a lot more involved in, in day-to-day operations and, and other departments. And it's really great to be a piece of that there. But I'd say the comparison of that to remote work is, and, and especially, I mean, you guys can speak to this if you're developing in Web3, is it's kind of, you just have these tasks done almost as if they're tickets. And if you kind of come up with other stuff on your own, you can start working on that and provide more value to the company you're working with. Um, and I would say that's kind of the trade-off there is kind of being forced to work with your other departments versus getting your stuff done in your department and then continue, continuing to innovate within your own department. That's kind of how I see the biggest main difference there. Um, but the question I had, which is super relevant to me since I'm a contractor in California, is there any kind of... I don't know. Do you guys see there in the future some kind of way to avoid heavy taxation as a contractor through some kind of payment of crypto? 13%, baby. Let's go. <laughs> well, we we cannot comment of, of what the, kind of the tax regulations are going to be. But the one thing that, that we will say is that we pay a large part, if not the majority of our workforce in, uh, in, in crypto. And, and that makes everything so much easier, both uh, on the corporate side for us, as well as for them, given literally we have employees everywhere. Um, so I think that will open the possibility to kind of uh, be employed in, in different parts of the world, uh, in different parts of the world. Um, how that will impact your, your personal taxes? Um, I think that's hard to tell, given all the regulatory uh, kind of uncertainty that we have at the moment. But I do see kind of a scenario in the very short term in which you can be fully paid in cryptos uh, or or a token, but mostly kind of the most accepted cryptos. The only thing I can think of is if you get paid in crypto, like a Bitcoin or something, and then you directly invest it, and then you ha- you haven't cashed out, that maybe it's an investment, and you would only have to pay capital gains tax on that when you cash out. This is not financial advice whatsoever for me individually or Bondex, just to let everyone know that. I don't think you can fix taxes. Uh, There's only two things certain in life, and those are taxes and death. So, (laughs) but to that end, uh, there's probably more flexibility when it comes to Web3 and crypto than you do in traditional 1099 uh, freelancer work in fiat. 
Yeah, certainly uh, developments that will inevitably be made in terms of the regulatory constraints here. Um, I know we have a hard stop in about 10 minutes, so I want to welcome any and all other questions uh, within the next 10 minutes. And then Ankit and I, we can stick on for a little bit longer and recap. Um, I see Nico join. Nico, how we doing, brother? Uh, hope things are going good. One of the things that I'll note about uh, Alex and my experience bringing him on in a remote work context, and I'll caveat, I, I need to put an asterisk by it because Alex is incredibly entrepreneurial. He has an entrepreneurial background. So this was also my expectation when you know adding him onto the team is that, yeah, there, there's a little bit less involvement of the day-to-day -day that he might miss out on that happens inside of our Kansas City office and our Kansas City content house. But what's interesting is that it has created more entrepreneurship. So of everyone on the team, the most entrepreneurial ideas and different ideas and initiatives that I get are actually from Alex, from Onkit, from our team in the Philippines, from those that aren't in office being dragged down by the day-to-day -day work. And, oh, we got to respond to nine different RFPs by the end of the day today. It's funny because, because they're away from that, I think they end up finding different things to fill that time. And then we end up getting some of our best ideas. So I see it as a major positive. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit brutal uh, living in San Diego, uh, you know, under 1099 regulations. But anyhow, um, you know, all of that said, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, just the, the status of Web3 right now. Um, obviously, we're seeing a direct correlation between the stock market and the crypto markets. Not that th that is indicative of this space, nor what you guys are doing at all. Um, but where do you see, you know, what do you see happening in, in this space in terms of uh, just an ecosystem and landscape? Um, you know, speaking from more and to provide context, speaking from more of an external perspective, I think there was a lot of noise in the Web3 NFT crypto world and a lot of a lot of, frankly, projects that were meant to be set up as businesses that weren't ever structured appropriately. And I think, you know, perhaps now we're going to be able to avoid a little bit of the, the unnecessary noise in this space. But any thoughts in terms of the landscape? I'm welcoming this bear market with open arms. I think it was it's very healthy correction, and everything you've mentioned is right on point. When you have a bull market and speculation takes hold of of things, you have a lot of noise and you have a lot of smoke and vaporware. And this happened after the you know the 2017 ICO bonanza. Uh, things came down, and 90% of the teams that were working on things completely disappeared, and a lot of people lost a lot of value. So the meme coin, PFP, NFT craze. Is something that, I mean, if it helps adoption, great. But now you have a lot of people that have lost a lot of value. They're going to be very mad, and maybe that hinders Web3 adoption. Mm -hmm. My take is as this this uh, bear market is healthy, there's no better time to build than a, than, than a bear market. Prices come down. There's less distractions, less noise. So luckily, we've been able to be funded before this. Um, and what we don't we care about is not really the crypto price market action, that's not what's relevant for Bondex. What Bondex cares about is the health of the job and talent market in Web3. And because, you know, it's not just cryptocurrency or tokenized based projects that we're, we're partnering with, but exchanges, layer ones and infrastructure, uh, NFTs, metaverse, gaming, DeFi. Uh, we're focusing on the whole Web3 space. And what I care about is the health of the job market there. That's what Bondex cares about because we're a real use case of blockchain uh, and we're focused on that. And that's what I care about. And, you know, all those companies, even if now their tokens have come down in price, 
they've been very well funded throughout the the previous cycle. So the demand for jobs and and the demand for talent and financing around Web3 is still very, very high and the supply of talent is very low. That's an incredible arbitrage right now and a great opportunity for people to learn Web3 skills and get a job in Web3. And this opportunity is not going to be open forever. And talking to, to the general market, if there's a recession in the general market and people lose their jobs in the traditional company or Web2, they're going to be more likely and more open to adopt Web3 and start a career in Web3 where there's a lot of demand and still jobs to be had. You maybe get less, uh, you know, if, you know, not not properly structured projects like you were talking about and maybe not as much younger projects, but the good quality projects will survive and they'll grow on to be very strong companies that will take on the Web2 equivalents. So that's my take on 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 the on on every on the space at the time now, but we're without a doubt in a bear market now. Definitely. Ankit, uh, do you have any uh Ankit on your end, do you have any perspective, you know, from your opinion, some of the the projects you've seen out there? Is there anything that um is there anything that excites you in terms of the web three landscape? Um, you know, outside of just Bondex, but particularly like What's the shift you've seen in terms of the world of, of, I think, particularly like NFTs and cryptocurrencies? Like we had so much speculative value that like this picture of, you know, a, a, a donkey riding, uh, riding a horse was going to be worth millions of dollars somehow because it was going to be turned into a movie. Didn't make a lot of sense on paper. Um, so, you know, some of those are rooted in more like legit value. But Anke, what stands out to you, man? Um. You know, while it definitely hurts to see your crypto portfolio be down by like 50%, but <laughs> it's also getting rid of all the companies that are like just really bad NFT projects. Because last year, everyone and their mom had an NFT project. So um, that was like, <laughs> you get attacked by NFTs everywhere you go. All your Instagram requests are just NFT projects, like asking you to like buy into their stuff. So um, definitely with this uh, bear market, we can um we have seen like a lot of the better projects stand out and the bad ones vanish so um i think it's probably going to take around a year or so more to like actually um find good projects that are going to be here for the long run yep and real quick i i just saw james join i know we're coming up on time here in the next few minutes uh james any question or thoughts top of mind for you What's up, guys? Hope all is well. Good to see you, Jake. Good to see you as well. Thank you for joining. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hopping in a little late here, but uh, you know, I work a ton in the crypto Web3, uh, predominantly on the marketing side of things for, for those listening. But I'm just curious with Bondex, you know, right now, marketing in crypto and in the NFT world and, and the Web3 world via influencers is extremely difficult right now. There's a ton of fraud, fake followers. Um, you know, these bullshit accounts that are charging $10,000. Tell us about it. Um, Curious if Bondex is working on anything to kind of combat that, or are there any measures you're putting in place for quality of candidates or or quality of uh, job listings or anything of that nature? On the influencer side, we experimented in the beginning and we encountered those problems that you were saying. Uh, after terrible returns on investment, we completely canceled any of those efforts. And also because we've had incredible network effects, completely organic. We're almost at a million users and that's completely organic. We haven't spent a single cent on paid ads 
or uh, user acquisition. But influencers, I think, are important. We, we plan on launching maybe a program uh, for that um, when we have, as we're about to launch a Web3 focused job portal. And the way that I've, I've found a few providers and, or agencies that essentially, instead of the mercenary model of giving a YouTuber 10K to make a video about you, you actually find influencers that are going to be kind of more of an ambassador program and you give them a token allocation and then that ma- that agency manages that they're doing the output that they're meant to be doing and then they get basically they're like part of the team but you, it's very hard to find those quality people and some people are not like an official influencer they might just be like a, a developer at coinbase that has a good following and that becomes your ambassador and your influencer he gets some tokens for kind of helping you out that's the model that i believe in more than the mercenary uh, paying someone 10k for someone and, and getting frauded, which happened to us. Um, that's that's I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean we we've hired influencers on you know YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, uh, and the, the ROI is is almost never there. So you know, kind of how we shifted is exactly what you're talking about. Anybody we're working with uh, in terms of influencers, we always make sure they want to have skin in the game, and and if they're there for a straight cash grab. Yeah, usually that raises some red flags. So, uh, same page. I appreciate it. No problem. And uh, and Jake, thank you for very much for having us. Unfortunately, we have a hard stop now as we need to prepare for another meeting. But thank you very much for having us. And uh, it's been a fantastic experience to be here with us. And I want to thank everyone here um, that's been listening. Um, I guess Richard just joined. I, we'll, we'll, we'll let in one more question and then we got to run. Yep, go ahead. And I can always try to feel that uh, I'll use your site as for reference. So I'll, I'll try my best, but yeah, we'll go ahead with this last one and then I'll stick around through 1 PM everyone uh, with Anke here. Uh, I'll, I can stay behind a couple of minutes. Awesome. I'll make it quick so you guys can get going to your meeting. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for hosting this. This has been incredible. Uh, you might not be able to say, see my grades on my profile picture, but I'm 53. So it's inspiring to listen to, you know, grow the, the new generation coming in and caring so much about co-opetition and really just making it a uniform field for everybody. It's almost brings a tear to my eye. Uh, so thanks for having this first. And then um, I just, I'm, I'm interested in Web3 and I know a lot I've uh, about a lot of things in Web2, but development is definitely not my strong skill. And so I'm interested in your opinion on what would be, you know, someone who's 53 is really good with soft skills, communication. Don't look at the CV. It's horrible. I'm like the cobbler's kids with shitty shoes. So, you know, don't, don't look at that piece. It's kind of almost my whole life has been entrepreneurialism or referrals based. So horrible. It, uh, I don't, I don't do what I have my clients do, put it that way yet. And so the question quickly would be what do you recommend for someone uh, because they're going to need these skills as well in Web3. It's not just going to only be coding, communication, and uh, I'm thinking of starting a podcast around it. So I'll be quiet so you can answer, and I yeah. uh, just really appreciate yeah. the, you holding this space. So, Richard, I think you hit the nail right in the head. Um, Bondex, it is a professional network for the blockchain space and for the Web3 space. But we're not um, a professional network for developers. Uh, yes, we will have a lot of them, and we already have a lot of them, and we have a lot of positions that are coming to our job board that are for developers. Uh, but what we want to be is we want to be a bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. 
we want to provide all the opportunities that are now void and, and open in the space. Actually, yes, it's very hard to find a developer of Solana or BNB or whichever chain you're building on, but it's equally hard to find an accountant that will work for an NFT company. Um, we're working with, we have a, a few partners that we cannot yet announce, but a lot of them are telling us, listen, I'm, I'm just looking for a salesperson, for a, an accountant. And as soon as they hear NFTs, they just, they get scared. Well, it's the same company. We've got the same amount of funding as any other unicorn. Um, and it's just a different NM product. So what we will do is, and again, this ties to what we were saying before on the dynamic resume, if you're someone that comes... And I'm not going to say even Web2. Let's say that you're someone that comes from a traditional background, manufacturing, whatever it may be. Uh, but you've taken a lot of courses on Web3. You're very interested. You're dialing in or, or zooming in or whatever the name is nowadays to, 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 to a lot of live streams. And you're showing interest and you're getting educated. You're as good as a candidate as someone that has been in Web3 for only one year but doesn't have the experience that you have. So that's where I'll our AI algorithm will pick up what are you doing, what you're interested in, and then we'll put you forward to the best positions. Again, the, the, the heavy lifting here is to switch the population from or the candidates from Web 2 backgrounds into Web 3, not just to steer the pod within Web 3, because that's unfortunately very, very small at the moment. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate your yeah. time, guys. Thanks Thank for hosting this, Jake. Of course. And Rich, something I would add to that, you know, speaking even outside of the Web 3 landscape, is like take trendsetters, for example, we, you know, the majority of everyone that works here is between the age of like 18 and 26. Um, that's awesome. That's super fun. But in the last six months, I brought on a managing director um, who I believe is 42 or 43. We started to hire a little bit older. We brought on board of advisors. So as much as, um, you know, there, there's so much youth talent in this space that will have an advantage when it comes to the technology and, and the marketing landscape that they grew up in. There is so much value in, frankly, just experience. Because um, even speaking to this recession, like no one on my team has ever experienced this at all. Um, they subconsciously did in 2008, but that's about it. And so we're going into this with little to no experience in terms of how this changes the marketing landscape and what happens when budgets shore up and what happens when clients need to, bigger fortune brands need to delay payment. Like, these are questions that we simply don't have experience in. And it's the, the question of, you know, um, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, so I would say there's a lot of experience and quote unquote gray hair um, that is frankly needed, not only in, you know, uh, on, on trendsetters on our side of things, but like just in any space that is flushed with young talent, there's a level of like how you build a business that hasn't changed. Um, and so I think it's really important that more experienced advisors um, that maybe don't have experience in Web3, but have experience in building and supporting businesses, like that's the support that's going to be needed. Awesome. Thanks for the feedback. Of course. Ankit, um, anything else top of mind for you right now? I know the Bondex team has to go soon, but if not, we can start closing things out. Um, nope, I don't got anything right now. Perfect. Well, in that case, I'll take time to thank everyone for joining. Uh, this was super successful considering um, that this is a super new platform to LinkedIn. Um, so I think we'll have to do more of these more often on Kit. So let's go ahead and schedule another one for next week. I also think this is a lot better than doing like the live, live LinkedIn shows with video because 
for me, like if I was listening, I would just have this in a tab while I continue to work. And then if I found something interesting, I would queue in. I will say LinkedIn needs to add like a chat feature here so people can like ask questions. Um, but anyhow, thank you all for joining. Thank you, Martin and Danielle's um, and Ignacio, who I know had to leave for for joining. And I know um, everyone will be checking out Bondex. Should they be going to your website? Where should they go to uh, stay stay tuned with what you guys are doing? Uh, best way is to follow us on social media. Daniel's does a great job there. Uh, we do many live streams. Obviously, our web is up to date, and uh, but the the best of all would be the app. Uh, you get uh, weekly news there uh, and a newsletter uh, that goes uh, every so often. So, so that would be the way. Sure, for our social media, uh, we are keeping posting about news on the Web3 blockchain and also the new ecosystem and the new future of work. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much, Jake and team. Thank, thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful rest of your Friday. Yeah, have a good day, guys.